welcome back to the Afternoon Ask Anything show here on DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm Chris Carter here with Dave Molinari and Dale Lolly. We got several major beat writers and me on the show here covering Pittsburgh sports, which remember, if you're listening to this show or watching this show live, you can ask questions on Facebook Live and YouTube um, and Periscope to answer questions. Dale just changed his name to King of the North. I put his name at Dale Lolly to be professional, but this man is the King of the North. Hey, listen, I- I'm still in the middle of season two of Game of Thrones here. The whole idea of these things is to be completely unprofessional. I think that's the whole idea. It's just let it go. You know, I mean, you know, there's got to have fun with it. No, we're having fun here. We're having fun here. But I'm Chris Carter with Dave Molinari and Dale Lolly here. We're all taking your questions for the next 30 minutes live on air. If you missed this show, you're most likely listening to the show on DK Sports Radio, which you can subscribe to for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are hosted. So thank you for listening there as well. Rate us five stars, leave us a positive comment. That stuff is really much appreciated. All right, remember. Ask us questions in the comment sections of your Facebook Live or your YouTube or your Periscope apps to make sure that you get your questions on the show. We got our Steelers and Penguins talk ready to go. And, Dale, we're getting right off start, started here right off the bat with Daniel Matos, who says, Hey, folks, Alejandro Villanueva is dead to me now. That was so fast, right, Dale? Because he, he was Steelers fans' guy for the past eight years. Here's the thing. Steelers fans should love that signing. Yes. Because I don't think he fits there. I right. saw, I, I, I just, a couple of minutes ago, I was, I, was, I, I, was, I just woke up from a nap for full <laughs> disclosure here. I, I've, I've been dealing with a sinus infection now for about a week. And, you know, I just can't sleep at night. So I took some medicine. For, I wake up, I look at my Twitter, I see the thing from you. But I see a, a, t- a tweet from somebody else uh, in Pittsburgh saying, the Steelers should go, they, they need to investigate signing Richard Sherman. Never mind the fact that Richard Sherman is, <laughs> is simply a zone cornerback that doesn't fit the scheme at all. This is the same thing with Alejandro Villanueva to me in right. many ways. Al hasn't played left or hasn't played right tackle really since he was the swing guy back in 2014-2015. Yep. He's been at left tackle now the last 5 years. Uh he was never a great run blocker. Right. So this tells me either a, they don't think Ronnie Stanley is going to be ready to start the season. And they're worried about that. In which case, why the hell did you trade Orlando Brown or B uh, you know, they're, they're just in a desperation mode here to sign anybody. And I don't know that he fits, you know, this is, this is a team that wants to run the football 60% of the time. Right. Um, I, I just don't know that it's a great scheme fit. It, it does tell me, you know, that, when we're talking about Alejandro Villanueva, uh, la- even last year, and, and Steeler fans are killing him. Oh, he stinks. He's this. He's that. Well, the Ravens played against him twice a year. They knew who he was. They knew who he is. Uh, so you know they felt comfortable enough, to, and they gave him pretty good money too, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me. I was kind of surprised to see the the numbers there, but I just don't know that it fits schematically. That's where I'm at with you, Dale. $14 million, $8 million a year. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, especially after how long he had to wait through a free agency to be signed. But that's my biggest thing is that 
Villanueva was a much better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. Like over the years, he was the Steelers left tackle because he protected Ben's blind side against guys like Terrell Suggs, against guys like Miles Garrett. He he, he did very well against those guys. But when it comes to run blocking, you'd be like, eh, I'm not so sure what's going on around here. So a lot of push. It, it, exactly. So for him to join a team like the Ravens that kind of depend on the run the way they do, interesting fit. We'll see if John Harbaugh makes that work. But I'm sure that will be a question all throughout the year. Um, our guy, Eric Stradiff, who always is on our stream, says, hey, guys, what's up, Eric? We salute you for always being on our streams. We got a hockey question, though. Rick Isoldo asks Dave, hey, guys, any update on Casey DeSmith? That's an easy one. No. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Sullivan did not speak with reporters today. Um, and the only, uh, thing besides telling us that Tristan Jari, uh, will be in goal tonight, which they did via an email was a note that, uh, the lineup, uh, will be a game time decision, which is probably the most popular phrase in Penguins history. So I guess, I guess our, our first indication of how severely, uh, De Smith was injured last night. Uh, will come when uh, we see if he's Jari's backup tonight. Um, I don't expect any particular information. You know, hockey is big into the upper body, lower body injuries and uh, labeling things as day to day or week to week or gone forever. Um, he still has a heartbeat. So- yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, I would expect, you know, before the game, we will get some indication of whether it's it's there's any real significant injury. But uh, no, there there are no details to share at this point. And frankly, guys, before we go any farther, I just want you to know that if you two are going to inject logic into the process, I'm not sure that I belong here. Oh, you're the most logical guy among us, Dave. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you while we're on the subject of injuries. I was listening to a uh, an update yesterday. I think it was on the Penguins pregame show. And they had Sullivan comes out and he starts talking about the injuries. And he saves Evgeny Malkin coming back uh, tonight for last. Like, oh, by the way, this guy's coming. This, this future Hall of Famer is coming back tonight. <laughs> Uh, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, that's probably why he's a hockey coach instead of a hockey writer. Uh, he did bury the lead there, certainly. Um, although it wasn't really a shock, uh, you know, based on what we had seen at, at the morning skate and the way he was used, it was kind, it kind of stood the reason that he was going to play. But you, you do think that that would be worthy of an, an early mention. Number one on the list, you know, yeah. <laughs> instead of, an, oh, by the way, this guy's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's have a fun question here while we get the chance. Matt Ellis says, you have a friend coming to Pittsburgh who has never been there before. Where is your one place that you must take them for dinner? I'm going to start with Dale. Dale, where's the one place you're taking someone for dinner if they've never been to Pittsburgh before? Anywhere but my kitchen. um i don't you know i I live in washington i don't venture into pittsburgh all that much to to eat or do those kind of things um i I could take them to the union grill here in uh interim washington it's a very good spot or we could go to uh you know north shore tavern get steak there you go there you go 
and I've been helping to put three kids through college so I don't go to any <laughs> restaurant that doesn't have a drive through window. <laughs> I hear that. Hey, listen, if I'm taking someone, I'm going to get-go. I'm just kidding. Uh, but in all seriousness, we do get get-go when we're having fun. But if, 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 hey, you want an extravagant night of the town, Mike's Beer Bar in the North Shore Tavern is a legit spot. It sounds like beer bar. Why would I go there? No, listen, their steak on a stone is legit. They do salads with it. They do all sorts of different entrees. They're great. If you want something else, try Murray Avenue's Grill in, in Squirrel Hill. They also have a New York, a great New York strip steak. I love them. I get them like Thursday every week. That's like my like my, my, my dad and I. We will get those and we will like eat and we'll talk and we'll catch up on things. So great stuff there. Um, but listen, especially if you're coming into town for a Pirates game, it's right across the street from the Pirates Stadium. Go to Mike's Beer Bar, go to North Shore Tavern, get the steak on a stone. You can get scallops on the stone. There's so many different options there on top of all the drinks that are there. It's amazing. So plenty of places to check out here. Matt Ellis, make sure that you make sure your friend is taken care of there. We got another hockey question here. Ronnie Rust asks, hey, guys, was was the 5K fine justifiable to you for the actions in the Caps-Rangers game last night? Of course, referencing the infamous and legendary Tom Wilson. Yeah. You want to feel that one, Dale? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, people don't want to know what I feel about Tom. Mm. Wilson. I, I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. There you if go. Tom Wilson was a penguin, people would love him. Love Ooh. him. Ooh. Uh, he, you know, I get it. He, he walks the line. He straddles the line. Sometimes he very often oversteps the line uh, of physicality and, and, and dirty play. Um, but you know what? It's, it's effective. He's an effective player in part because of that, because everybody's always got their eyes open for this kind of stuff. Um, you know, if if the league is going to continue to allow him to do these things and all, all it is is a $5,000 fine, he's going to continue to do it. And again, it it makes him an an effective player in part because, you know, when you're out, I've played against guys who were like that before. Some would say I was kind of like that when, in some ways, you know, when I played sports. But you you make people think about things other than the game, and it gets them off their game, and it, it makes them an effective player. Well, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the, the key in what you said. The league allows it. Exactly. That, that's the key thing. Uh, you know, the, uh, the $5,000 fine that he got shouldn't have covered the sales tax on his fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe it wouldn't be and, and uh you know the you know if that wasn't suspension worthy, I don't know what is, but as long as he has the tacit approval of the league to do things like that um there there's no real deterrent uh to to stop him and I mean, I don't know that I agree that he would be completely embraced by the fan base in Pittsburgh or any other city. There's certainly a segment that would. But, I I mean, he goes beyond just tough physical play. And and guys who, who play a physical game, every now and then they are going to stray. You know, when, when you play on the edge, you're going to inadvertently go over the edge every now and then. But he does it so often and usually so violently that it's not a case of, you know, a snap decision on the ice or, or anything like that. He seems to do it willfully 
And if the if the league gets a, lets him get away with it, there's no reason to think it will stop. May, you know, maybe when somebody goes off on a spine board or in a body bag, maybe the league will consider, you know, maybe suspending him for an exhibition game or something. Um, <laughs> an exhibition game. But until then, you know, it's uh, I mean, it, it's really troubling because it's a it's a physical sport when it, when it's at its best. Uh, it can even be a violent sport at times. I'm telling that to two football guys, yeah. but, but it doesn't have to be a dirty sport. And, no, I, and, I agree with that part of it. And I, you know, I grew up uh, a Detroit Pistons fan and, you know, love the, the bad boy element. And, and when, you, when you went to the basket, there was an expectation that you were going to, you were going to take a bump or two or three. Um, and, and as, but as long as the league a lot continues to allow him to get away with these things, you know, we people can complain about, you know, he's this, he's that. The fact of the matter is, is the league, this is what the league wants, apparently. And it, it, you're completely right, Dave, until until they crack down on it and do something about it. Um, he's going he's going to continue to do it. He's not going to change his game. I mean, we could talk about James Harrison and all the fines that he got back in the 2010, 2011 seasons. Mm hmm. And then he didn't get any more because he changed the way he played the game. Right. Prior to 2010, 2011, those were legal hits that he was putting on people. The league changed the rules. It took him a while to adjust, but adjust he did because he got tired of having money taken out of his pocket. I think the fines were like almost – it was like $400,000 worth of fines. That'll get right. you – and a suspension. That'll get you to change your game. Well, how, how many – $5,000 fines, which is the maximum allowed by the NHL's collective bargaining agreement, would Tom Wilson have to be assessed to get to $400,000? Well, that which, was the difference between the two. Still would not put a significant dent in his income. Yeah, Harrison was getting $100,000 fines. Yeah. That'll get, that'll get you know, when you yeah. got to tell your wife that uh, they're docking your pay for the week because of something you did on the field, that's when that's when it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, honey, why didn't we get a paycheck this week? Well, you know, I put this guy in the hospital. Um, okay, <laughs> but but being being fair to James Harrison, most of those hits were in the the middle of a play. Like when he laid out Masakwai, yeah, it was a scary hit. But it was like, hey, that's at least like in the middle of a play, and it was fast motion, and things were happening. Well, you know, Tom Chris, Wilson is, is is crushing people in the back of their head while they're laying face first on the ice like that's when i'm like okay this is different like this person josh caradima says what about vontez perfect because vontez perfect was the guy that like the play would be over and he'd still be trying to twist your knee out to, to rip your acl apart like I, I do think there's a difference between between that between between what james harrison did at times and tom wilson there were times james harrison definitely went to that level where you're like okay why are you doing that james but like when he hit colt mccoy he blew up Colt McCoy a second after he let go of the ball. Tom Wilson is is trying to mash people's faces into the ice well after a whistle is being blown. I, I do think that there's a sense of difference there. I, I only see the highlights. I don't get a chance to study hockey because I'm watching a thousand years of college tape every day to make sure that I get to you guys all our NFL draft coverage. But do, do you guys feel like there's a difference there when it comes to what's happening right now? Uh, yeah, uh, certainly. And I mean, it would be different if what Tom Wilson did was during a play right. where he went to 
throw a shoulder into a guy uh, and both of them were moving at pretty high speeds and the guy lowered his head a little or Wilson got his shoulder up a bit high and he, and he caught him in the head. You know, that, that could be an unfortunate accident, you know, trying to play physically in, in a game, moving at a high rate of speed. That's, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, is going to happen. But when a guy is laying on the ice, you know, he, he's not really a moving target. Right. Uh, and he's neither is he a moving target when you pull him down to the ice by his hair as, uh, as, he as did. Wilson did a bit later. He had quite a night going there. Um, you know, I'm sure there are probably some people who are willing to defend Tom Wilson. Um, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And not your Washington, by the way. Oh, no, no, Washington. Maybe he's got some, some high <laughs> up. Uh, he may have his own. Uh, he may have his own team that goes in and, and you know lobbies Congress. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it would be nice to uh, think that it would get to the point where that would be necessary. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think right? I think we're still a ways uh, from that. Switching up real quick, Brian Robinson, this is more of a comment than a question. He says, I agree with the Steelers taking a running back in the first round. They weren't getting a running back of that talent level anyway, anyway, anyway else. Uh, Dale, you and I talked about this for months. It was like, look, if they didn't get this guy in the first round, even if they traded back, it was like, okay, trade back in the first round. But if you waited till pick 55, you weren't getting this guy who was definitely a primary running back in 2021. No, you weren't getting any of the top three. They were all gone by, what, 34th pick or 35th pick. Yeah. Uh, and then we didn't see another running back taken until the 88th pick. Um, and, and then we didn't see a fifth running back taken until the pick 120 or something like that. Right. So, yeah, there was a big drop off there. That's what people needed to understand. The people who said, well, you never take a running back in the first round. You can't have hard set rules in anything. You just can't. Everything – Every draft, every instance in sports has to be a standalone. You can, you know, it has to stand on its own. You can have these ideas that, okay, it, you know, most of the time a running back in the first round doesn't make sense. Last year, that was the case. There were six or seven running backs that you looked at and said, okay, any of these guys could come in and help you out right away. That was not the case this year. Those guys went exactly where they needed to go. I will say this. I was looking over the draft yesterday. Michael Carter landed in a good spot. Yeah. In the fourth round uh, to the Jets, there's not a whole lot there in front of him. If right. you're looking for a sleep, a guy who is a sleeper breakout candidate, like in, a, in the, he'll be the guy that everybody points to and says, see, you can get a running back in the in the fourth round. It'll be Michael Carter. And he probably shouldn't have gone in the fourth round. Right. It's just circumstances work out that way that a guy that is really talented should have been selected a lot earlier in the third round falls to the fourth round just because of other positions like that may happen. And here's the, again, like Dale's saying is that it's all about working out in the right position, right? Because if he doesn't, then, you know, say he goes to the wrong team and you never see Michael Carter. Or when you do, everyone's like, well, who cares what you do? Your team stinks. We're, we're just going to just keep locking you guys down. Um, but I'll be interested to see what they do with Zach Wilson and the pieces they've added. Maybe, maybe their offense gets a little rejuvenated in the next coming years. Um, we got a hockey question here. Daniel Matzo says, hey, Dave, why didn't Sullivan start McCann on Malkin's wing but opted for Zucker instead? Uh, I think, and, you know, uh, Sullivan wasn't asked that, so I can't tell you with certainty what his logic is. But I think 
he wants to see if he can get the uh, the Zucker, uh, Kapanen, Malkin line to develop some chemistry. Uh, if if it doesn't uh, over the next few days, I wouldn't be surprised if if McCann would get uh, plugged in on uh, Malkin's left side. But I, I think that uh, Sullivan would like to see if given an opportunity, if, if those three could, could be a line that's as effective as, uh, as he hopes. Um, certainly, though, McCann does give them a, a viable option if, if Sullivan comes to the conclusion that, that the current trio isn't working out. I hear that entirely. Um, let's keep it moving here. Um, Eric Strative says, any of the undrafted guys the Steelers picked up that you like? Dale, I think you and I will have the same answer maybe on Shakur Brown. You know, we talked about how the slot cornerback is not a position that you maybe have to draft higher for. I know some people wanted him, wanted a slot cornerback drafted in the third or fourth round. But Shakur Brown, an undrafted guy who kind of fits that mold that if he at least takes on the challenge the right way, maybe he's giving you some good snaps this year. Yeah, he's one. I, I, I'm interested to see Mark Gilbert, the, the kid out of Duke, who's actually uh, Sean Gilbert's nephew. Right. Uh, had six interceptions back in 2017 uh, for Duke and then, you know, played four games the last two seasons at Duke. So, you know, I, I think there might be something there. Uh, Jamar Watson, the, the guy out of Houston, the ed, or I'm sorry, a, a, a guy out of Kentucky, the edge brusher. Um you know, he had some consideration there as well. But, uh, yeah, Shakir Brown is uh, a pure slot cornerback that a lot of people had his, with the draftable grade. What do you guys make of Wade from uh, Clareton and Penn State? I, I covered him for a couple of years up there. I don't know what the Steelers have in mind for him. I would think he starts in the slot as well. He, he, I think that what, you, what you're seeing here, Dave, is a lot of different guys with that, with that slot ability. Trey Norwood, Shakir Brown. Lamont Wade, they're going to throw some bodies at that and see, you know, who, who fits, who doesn't. Um, I, I look at him, wasn't super productive at Penn State, despite being a very high uh, recruit, uh, five-star recruit, uh, but runs well, um, just a little bit undersized. So it's going to be interesting to see how he works out. I think he might have some special teams potential, but I really don't see him otherwise. Uh having an impact as a pro, not that I'm remotely qualified to make that kind of assessment, but. No, he, he certainly won't have the, uh, the impact that Pat Fryermuth will have uh, in the second round. I, I really think that he was a, a pretty good pickup for the Steelers. I was really impressed by him. They're starting to turn out pretty fair tight ends up there on a, on a regular basis. Jesse James and Mike Kosicki and, Fryermuth, and now they've got a they've got a few more. There's a young guy named Theo Johnson who I think is going to uh, get some attention here over the next couple of years. Um, they're uh, they're developing guys at that position pretty consistently. We had a question here from uh, Kevin James who says, uh, "Carter, did you see how the CBS rank how CBS ranked the Steelers in their draft class? Kind of idiotic." Um, Dale, I don't know what's you, I'm seeing a lot of these national rankings and just so many people trying to just use the, oh, they drafted a running back in the first round. So therefore they're stupid and their, their draft is bad. And I'm just like, did, 
did you see how this draft class played out? Like the very next pick after the Steelers, there was a team that selected a running back. And then about 10 picks after that, the other running back who was at the top of the class was taken right away. They needed a running back this year. It was clear that they needed one. They got him in the first round while still addressing the offensive line. I just, I get that people have this narrative, Dale, but it just seems like it's being forced so hard down people's throats. I haven't read anybody's grades. I don't care. Uh, (laughs) Grades are clickbait. Yeah. That's what they are. And obviously, Kevin, they got you talking about them, so they they accomplished their purpose. Uh, I mean, who cares? Talk to me in three years about about this draft or that draft. Don't talk to me immediately in the aftermath because you're going to look at this. I, I wrote this a week before the draft in a talking point. However you have the guys ranked is how you're going to judge is how you're going to assess your grades. So if they don't take guys where you thought that they should take them, you're, they're going to get a bad grade. Doesn't mean you were right. Doesn't mean they were right. Right. It's your opinion. And the other thing about, you know, when, when you're looking at, this, this is the difference between the way Carter and I do our rankings and the way that you see rankings nationally. Like I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys, Daniel Jeremiah, yes. Dane Dane Brugler. But they're looking at things globally. They're looking at prospects for, on a global scale, whereas we're looking at the prospects and how they would fit in with the Steelers. There's a difference here. It goes back to what I talked about at the start of the show. Schematic fit means so much, especially in football. If, I, if, if you're a zone cornerback and I play a lot of man and I pick you, that's a bad pick. Right. Because you can't do what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's no different than in hockey, Dave. If, if I'm a team that, that, that plays a, a neutral zone trap and I bring somebody in who doesn't fit that, don't get mad at the player because he doesn't right. fit it. Get mad at the people who assessed it because they shouldn't have brought him in in the first place. I thought we had agreed early on that logic wasn't going to factor into any of this. Dale, you, <laughs> you keep injecting it. Well, you know, I try, Dave. <laughs> um. Keeping it moving here, Brian Roberts says, says, "Whoa, Mike says a menu now. Used to have a menu from local places to deliver from the to the bars for for you. Yes, Mike's has a menu, and you can get all sorts of great food there. So do check out Mike's Beer Bar in the North Shore Tavern, Steak and Stone, great entrees. Whenever they have that that stuffed pork chop, oh my gosh, it's the best food ever. Like to the point where like my girlfriend's mom is like." Carter, Chris Carter, you better go and drive me and get me some of that stuff, pork chop. And I'm like, yeah, yes, ma'am. Call you Carter as well? No, she calls me Christopher. <laughs> um, only you guys call me Carter. Everyone else calls me Chris or Christopher. I'm, but you've drilled it so much into me that I call myself Carter. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. You um, talk, talk about yourself in the third person now. I, I, it's becoming to that point. Like I'm starting to, I'm starting to break. Um, Jonathan Mason says Antoine Brooks starting nickel corner this year. Oh, Dale, that know. seems like a stretch. I, I, I don't see that. I know I heard some people mention that before, and I'm like, just because he did it in one game against the Bengals last year, I believe. Um, you know, no, I don't see it. Um, I could see them piecing some things together and having different players based on who they're playing in a given week play the nickel position, but I don't see Antoine Brooks being the starting nickel cornerback this year. I just don't. I'm right with you. Bill Hoffman says Rangers need to go ugly on Wilson in the next game. If they go into that next game, if the Rangers go into that next game thinking all we got to do is get retribution against Tom Wilson, what kind of game are they going to play? Well, 
and and you know it's it's almost moot because they're now out of the playoffs. Right. You know, they have, you know, losing another game isn't going to you know the only thing it might do for the Rangers is is improve their draft position. But I did see um, a short time ago that they're you know they are expected to call up a player uh, from their farm team just because they had several guys injured last night. Don't know how. Um, and apparently one of the candidates is a guy who goes something like 6'6", 250. His name Mongo. Who, <laughs> who I'm, I'm guessing is, is not on the corporate depth chart because of his fine <laughs> hockey skills. So if he shows up, you know, there could be uh, mayhem, I, I say. And, you know, I, I would not, you know, I, I would not approve of anyone going after and trying to maim Tom Wilson any more than I do Tom Wilson going and trying to maim somebody else. I mean, that's not, you know, that, that's not, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Toe Blake, that's how they would have handled it. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I wish I could disagree, but. <laughs> All right. I had a fun question here. Bill Hoffman asks better sports theme movie involving Pittsburgh, sudden death or the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Hmm. Uh, is there a third choice? Dang! <laughs> so here's the here's the question though. When involved Pittsburgh, does that mean filmed here, or does that mean like that they mentioned occasionally? Because Taylor, forty two. I mean, they made a whole point of making fun of Pittsburgh when the guy was like, "I was traded to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh," and he was so mad about it. And like, I get that. Soul of the Game, a, a great movie about the Negro Leagues of Baseball, that had a lot of references to Pittsburgh. Um, uh, what was Dale? I think it was Black Sunday was the movie that was supposed to be filmed in the they middle of Super Bowl that, Ten. They filmed part of that during the Super Bowl, right? Um, you know, you, you've got a whole bunch of them. Uh, you know, you, you could look at um, heck, you could consider Batman Returns uh, a sports. Uh, I didn't even think about that. How about dark. if we stretch the city limits a little and, and to include yeah. Johnstown for Slapshot? Slap, you had all the right movies. Oh, the right yeah. first movies of all time were filmed in Johnstown. Slapshot mm. and all the right moves. That's those are two very good points there. See, see, Bill, Bill Hoffman, you asking the wrong questions, man. You asking about the Fish and Save Pittsburgh, though. The obvious answer to this question: the better movie was the Fish and Save Pittsburgh. Yes. Well, so, but here's the other reason. My dad was actually an extra in it. They shot a scene at Mellon Park and he was sitting right and he was like, he was like one of the kids playing in the background. So technically that is the best because there was a Carter in the movie. So holla at your boy there. Um, Let's move it along here. We're almost done here. So let's just run through these questions. Uh, Bubba Banjo asks, hey guys, do you see this as the first post? Ben draft and preparing for what comes next. Dale, I don't know about that. I, I feel like they're still drafting for a while while he's here. Yeah, I mean, you could look at last year's draft the same way because Kevin Dotson's still going to be playing on that offensive line in you know three or three or four years from now. So, I, I mean, I, I think that they're setting this up. I mean, it was it was obviously an offensive heavy draft, and that wasn't a coincidence. They're trying to to build that nest. Uh, for whoever the next quarterback is. But they're also building a nest for Ben here as well. You get him a, a big tight end that can catch the football. You get another, you know, a couple of offensive linemen, a running game. Uh, we've been screaming about a running game for a couple of years now. Um, you know, 
I, I was accused of uh, carrying the water for the team when I said that, uh, um, you know, they should take Najee Harris here. I don't know how indicting what they've done drafting running backs over the yeah. last three years is somehow yeah. carrying water for the team because by extension, I'm saying they haven't done a good job finding right. a running back. Right. So you have to spend a first round draft pick on it. If that's carrying water for the team, I guess I'll, I'll load up the, the water jugs and uh, start pouring some more. Yeah, people are ridiculous. My friend Tariq here, Reek Nation 2432. Also, this is a guy who used to challenge me regularly at Madden until I kept crushing him because he kept using the Eagles and I kept using the Steelers. And I'm like, it's just not going to work for you, boy. But he said, fly, Eagles, fly. Go ahead, Reek. Uh, the Eagles are going to do great with Jalen Hurts this year, I'm sure. All right, last few questions here. We're going to wrap up. Um, Corey Freeman says, what up, Chris? Thank you. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Wow, lots of random, random stuff here. Okay. Paul Ski Five Cents, a guy who always asks questions, just I will feature him, says original Angels in the Outfield is a Pittsburgh movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they filmed that at uh, Forbes Field. Wow. Had no idea. That is that that is actually kind of cool. Uh, Ron Bush says, what, if anything, was the most concerning about the Pens game last night, or do we just need to move on? Uh, about 50 minutes of it. If, <laughs> about 50 minutes. Uh, if you throw out the first. 10 minutes or so of the third period and and it was just a total yeah the route was on yeah i mean they were hopelessly flat from literally the first shift of the game through the until the second intermission uh the only thing that that i think should concern the penguins or their fan base about it would be if they would repeat that tonight um History, at least their recent history, says that uh, they should respond pretty well to to such a poor performance. Um, but you know that's why they play the game. We'll we'll find out in a few hours just how they're going to react to it. Certainly, uh, our parting shots here. Eric Schrader says, "Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, Eric. Uh, we have a Ghost Steelers from Koala Koality." Uh, Colas. I get thinking they meant to say koalas. They meant to say koalas, but it says colas. It's K-O-L-A-S. So they missed an A there. It's missing an A. Right. So, but thank you, Koali Koalas. We appreciate you listening to the show. And then our final note, Jonathan Mason says, great draft coverage from Dale and Chris, especially the wall-to-wall live coverage on SNR with Matt Williamson. You guys were crushing it there, Dale. So great job there. And thank you for listening here for the afternoon. Ask anything. Some thanks so much to Dave and Dale for coming on the show. We have more writers for you coming on tomorrow. Remember, subscribe to DK Sports Radio. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Check us out. Rate us five stars. We appreciate you. We'll be back in the ears very soon with very more content.